0: Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, and best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to learn how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now.
1: Hello everyone. I'm Brad Harrison with Blue Prism. Welcome to the Transform Now podcast. Today I'm happy to have as my guest Eric Maloney, digital transformation strategist with Access Group, a Blue Prism advisory partner. Eric is no stranger to Transform Now. In fact, he has been on the podcast four times in the past to talk about such interesting topics as the intersection of blockchain and RPA as well as Industrial Revolution 5.0. This is his first time to join us as a part of Axis Group. Eric and I will be talking about the convergence of decision intelligence and automation, which is the subject of a recent paper co-authored by Axis Group and Blue Prism. Eric, welcome back. Thank you, Brad. Always good to talk with you. So for those listeners that are not familiar with you, Eric, why don't you provide a brief introduction and also tell us about Access Group.
2: Thank you. Well, as you said, we've been talking uh, through the podcast for a long time because I'm an alum of Blue Prism. I used to work with the uh, advisory team, which kind of one thing led to another, uh, and helped me uh, find my new role as a strategist with Access Group, which is an interesting consultancy, been around for uh, over 25 years, and they have a long history in data and analytics. They have practices for analytics advising, operations advising, and now enablement. And that's the group I'm part of. And we really want to help ensure that the data strategy is understood by our partners and our customers. And we're trying to blur the line between our partners and our customers, just make sure that people understand about how data strategy enables business outcomes. And there's really nothing uh, you can uh, build in the modern era without decision intelligence and RPA. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that we thought about co-authoring this paper on decision intelligence. Excellent.
1: So Eric, can you provide? an overarching definition of decision intelligence. Is, is, is this a rebranding of BI and
2: analytics or something broader than that? Well, its origins is in business intelligence. So the idea of taking your, your business data and finding new ways of analyzing it and, and discerning insight from it evolved because there are more data sources to mix into those data points, those references, I mean, especially things like streaming data from social media and many other sources. So, what decision intelligence is looking at is how analytics can more uh, broadly impact business outcomes, business decision making with an increasingly broad spectrum of data, not just proprietary or internal data. Okay. And how has this area evolved in recent years? Well, it's been accelerated because of the cloud journey that most companies find themselves on. Because as you get into the cloud, there are more analytics engines at scale that you can leverage. You're already now seeing cloud native PaaS services for analytics. That'll get you things like machine learning, uh, vision capability, uh, other machine learning services to ingest information or do other forms of data ingest. You have also closer and easier access to those streaming social media sources and other data sources. And finally, I think it helps with that orchestration. Because now that you're a cloud-based uh-huh. service or access having access to cloud services, it's a lot easier to pull them up when you need them, shut them uh, down when you, you don't need them, adjust your costs. So now you have a nice variable model for doing your decision intelligence planning and operations. Do you guys find that most
1: customers are wanting to do decision intelligence in the cloud? Is that pretty much the norm these days?
2: No, I think what I said is it's easier in the cloud. You okay. still have people who want to keep their crown jewels on-prem. They're mm-hmm. worried about the security models, the punch holes to a specific social media service or two. It's a mixed bag out there, but I, I think that that's one of those. I wouldn't call it a silver lining of COVID, but it's a byproduct. A lot of companies had to drastically move to the cloud to sustain several of their critical business operations. They've gotten much more comfortable with it. And now they're discovering while they're there, they have access to additional analytics resources, additional data sources. It's facilitating this conversation probably uh, a few years faster than it would have happened organically, just Mm -hmm. the business cases, drawing the technology.
1: Okay. So where does decision intelligence intersect then with the world of RPA and intelligent automation?
2: In the article we we wrote, we mentioned a couple of times about the last mile of decision intelligence. So it's one thing to have a business insight. It's another thing to execute on it. And it's not true for all, uh, insights but several of them are like yesterday's news they were valuable yesterday but if you take too long to to take action it, it may diminish the business value of those insights you have to really have a near real time or a real time way of taking that insight and not putting it into just a report for leadership where somebody's going to say, oh, thank you. That's a beautiful report. There's value to that, don't get me wrong, especially if it's things like performance, quarterly reviews, things like that. Of course, there's a lot of analytics that have great value. But if there are things where you're trying to do real-time marketing, if you're trying to impact uh, or influence your ecosystem and your customers, you really want to build business logic that says, if this insight exists, then do this. And that's what RPA is built to do. You can put that business logic right into RPA. It can listen and whatever channel you want it to listen to, it'll ingest that insight from your decision intelligence and take some action for you. Eric, what are some specific ways digital workers can help companies bolster their
1: decision intelligence capability?
2: Well, actually, I like the, the, the term bolster. Maybe I'm going to go in a different direction here for a second, but but I, I, I had this concept we've talked about many times before of a wrapper, a, an RPA or a digital wrapper around things like a BI or a DI service. I am just going to say DI for decision intelligence that make it a little shorter here. You still want to make sure that, as I mentioned earlier, you call that service, turn on and off the spigot, keep costs down. You can actually invoke the service through an RPA service. You can make sure that you're controlling some of the services that you're activating for it to ingest information from, again, cost controls, but also security and PII constraints. You can actually go so so far on the uh, egress of data from a DI service to make sure that no PII is being surfaced or any other corporate sensitive information. You can compare it to a data catalog, whatever you might want to do. So Mm -hmm. there's no restriction to the sophistication of what you can do with RPA. The question is, where do you start and how do you reach that level of sophistication or maturity? You know, it's kind of like a, a training a person, you have to train an RPA. You have to go mm-hmm. really, I think, foundationally start with understanding some business logic and then exception handling. And the more you add the, the richness of logic and the richness of exception handling, the more human-like it's going to be in its operations.
1: Yeah, we've certainly seen. A lot of
2: activity across
1: Blue Prism in this space. Based on customer feedback, we've added some partners, as you know, like Alteryx and Information Builders and others data, to our Data Robust yeah. Data Robot. I think this category of partners will continue to
2: expand for many of the reasons you just specified. It's a very good point. I mean, you can go out there and look at dozens of um, PaaS services from any major cloud provider, and they all have value. But you Mm -hmm. have to create the business value on top of it. When you get into something like Alteryx or DataRobot, they are also imbuing some of the common business logic and certain critical functions for you and say, financing hand function. Alteryx can do amazing things there. So you don't have to build it from scratch. You build upon the logic that they provide. And it makes it a lot easier to get to those higher levels of maturity more quickly. Eric, you mentioned one of the benefits of RPA when connected
1: to decision intelligence is just the speed of action on on the insights that are produced. What what are some examples of insights produced by decision intelligence applications that would highly benefit from
2: near real-time responses? I mentioned one earlier, we can come back to that would be a real-time marketing. If you um, have a, a set of social media ingest and you're tracking, you, you see this constantly with some of the major online sellers. It's not only that they can see where you've been shopping on their site and make recommendations. That's a level of intelligence, but it gets more interesting that they're now paying for search information and they're combining that search information with their internal information. Now they have a really, I wouldn't say a 360 degree view of a prospect or a customer, but a much more broad view. Well, with that complexity comes need for automation because now, as I said earlier, you're gonna set very variable parameters if that makes sense. You're gonna say, situationally, we wanna make a recommendation or generate some sort of discount or whatever it might be that you think the analytics indicates a higher probability of, of success of engaging their customer. That is, we could talk the rest of the podcast just about real-time marketing, but if you take that logic, you could apply it internally to things like call center support. And we've had an interesting few conversations on this in the past. It's not necessarily, to, actually it's not in this scenario to take out your customer service rep. This is not a, a bot scenario. This is you're enabling your customer success rep with surfacing just-in-time information to serve the customer on the line and to mitigate, get through those problems, predictive analytics to say, Mr. Customer, Miss Customer, this is how we can help you, and then enable you to build trust with the customer, potentially upsell, definitely maintain stickiness. All those are examples of decision intelligence at work. None of them would be possible without that last mile of automation. Eric, do you think just the general speed of
1: business, which is clearly accelerating will make it more and more important for companies to employ digital workers, to act on business insights. That seems reasonable to me, but I'd love to get your opinion on that.
2: The answer is simply yes, but it's having some permutations that nobody really thought about a few years ago, or nobody could qualify a few years ago. And Mm -hmm. that is just how it's impacting the nature of work. There are companies out there like Fathom, and Fathom is an interesting company because they saw this coming. Uh, They were good at at saying that if you look at job descriptions of people in any role um, where McKinsey said a third of all tasks will be automated in the enterprise over the next five years, Fathom actually said what job functions will be likely automated. Mm -hmm. So the the role of somebody as an analyst won't go away, but a lot of the tasks that they do will be automated. And Mm -hmm. that means there'll be greater weight and expectations on those tasks that they maintain, the ones that require... Uh, human analysis, uh, humans, social skills, opportunity, qualified, uh, qualification from a, a human perspective. Well, that's going to be very interesting. I, I think you have better metrics than I can cite about the transformation in things like call centers. You have almost where, where it was a problem of attrition. How do you have enough call center staff? When you enable them with RPA and digital intelligence, you can uh, have a fewer people doing a higher volume of work, which is good, but you also have a higher employee retention. Those call center people are happier to work in that call center because rather than being yelled at all day and having to jump through many different hoops into systems that they don't have direct access to, they can engage with digital workers who can proactively, predictively give them uh, next best actions to deal with those clients. And right. At the same time, make it an interesting experience and they mm-hmm. can do all of the note taking uh, to, to close out an instance with a customer support. Mm -hmm. There's just so many permutations of how work is going to transform because of uh, DI and RPA.
1: Right. And it seems like as quantum computing and things like that enter the, the fray, and now you're automating at an exponentially faster rate, you're going to need digital workers just to be able to respond to the outcomes
2: from that highly accelerated pace. Well, again, simply, yes, I agree, but there are two things I want to add on to what you just said. Okay. One is that it's not just things like quantum computing. You're right. The innovation curve of technology in, in blockchain and what it can do now with smart contracts and crypto and the world of NFTs for asset management, that's massively going to alter how work is done. Mm -hmm. so it's actually an opportune time to apply DI and apply RPA. So as those technologies are adopted at scale at a massive, mm-hmm. uh, a massive rate over the next few years, uh, it'll be easier to ingest. And the second point I wanted to make is no matter how fast technology evolves and the flow of work accelerates, as you've said, it still has to at some point touch human speed somehow or another, you need a bridge to us. And I can't think of too many things like RPA that can build those bridges because at some point it will have a channel or set of channels to communicate back to people to say, this is how the insights were applied. I've reached a certain threshold of negotiation. I've reached a certain threshold of authority. What can I do next? And then the human will have their semi-autonomous moment to control human in the loop (laughs) to say, yeah, you, you done good. I can see the logs go on and one more iteration with the client and I approve. Or no, we've kind of reached this point, you know, disengage. So all those interim steps to get to that focused question for the human, they're all going to be automated. They're all going to be in the transaction log, every um, automated task, every attempted automated task will be in the transaction logs. And then people will just have more comfort, trust that their time to engage in, in business activity will be much more highly valued and they'll be doing things of uh, more, mm-hmm. as I said earlier, interest, but relevance to, to what they're trained to do. Right,
1: right. Eric, all of this makes me think about one of Blue Prism's most famous solution concepts, that being rusty pipes, which was created by Dr. Liu, who I I know you are very familiar with. This solution demonstrated how digital workers could leverage machine learning capabilities to identify corrosion in a pipeline while examining pictures of the pipeline, perhaps taken by a drone. This solution demo got a lot of attention and it continues to do so, especially when you think about current events, the forest fires in on the west coast, the power outages in Texas, et cetera. Is this an example of a solution that you think will become more commonplace in the years to come as companies invest in the combination of high powered analytics, machine learning, AI and automation?
2: Business analytics, decision analytics, I think the the hyphenation is at scale. The answer is an unequivocal yes. And for people who haven't seen Dr. Lou's Rusty Pipes demo, it's out there in YouTube and other places. It's definitely worth watching, but it's not as simple as watching video frames being fed into uh, an RPA uh, uh, workflow. Really what is interesting about this is the demo is engaging two different ML engines concurrently to look at a frame. Of drone video footage of a pipeline. And the reason this is so interesting is you go to um, Web Service One and it says, I have a high certainty, this is not a rusty pipe. And the second one says, I have a meeting to high certainty, it's not a rusty pipe. Great. You move on to the next one, it's been logged and the inspection continues, right? No humans were put at risk to climb out onto that pipeline in the tundra, and life is good. Why you have two or more systems looking at that rusty pipe is because training an ML system to understand what pipes are. And if they're rusty or not, it's a lot of work. You want to have the highest certainty, but you also don't want to put the highest investment into all that machine Mm -hmm. learning. If one of the engines had a high certainty and the second one had a high uncertainty or, or low certainty, the digital worker would log into the learning interface of the second ML engine and say, here's an image know in the future, have a high certainty, anything like this is not rusty. And now you'd elevate the quality of the data and the decisions that are coming out of the system. So you can have interesting ways of reducing the learning curve, pre-production, testing the quality in production, meanwhile, still carrying out the primary business function, very powerful. But to your point, it's not just rusty pipes, it's reservoir levels. It's so many other things related to global warming and and other things that are happening around us that we can't hire enough people to be everywhere to not only witness it, which is important, but to interpret it and to keep track of the resources necessary to deal with it. And I think that's where we make the full circle back into decision intelligence, because from all the insights and the actions, you're creating new metadata that helps the next best action. It's going to be a continuous integration and delivery cycle.
1: Well, it's an interesting convergence analytics and automation, and I can really appreciate the value of bringing these two together. As previously mentioned, Eric and I co-authored an article on this same topic. For those that would like to read more about it, I'll include the link to the article in the show notes. Eric, thank you so much for joining me today. It's tremendous to have you back on our podcast. You're always welcome. Please be well, my friend.
2: Yourself too, take care.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how Blueprism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now.